right, thanks, Josh. And if you're in person, you'll notice that we're already ready for the baptism here in a couple weeks. This isn't a coffin, but in some ways it is because we're dying to our old life and a new and resurrected life It's there. So you're wondering what happened, who died? Well, you did. You died. You died in, in your, your old ways, and now we're in new ways. So anyway, some of you are like, I, okay, I get you. I'm following with you on that. Um, so you're smiling through your mask. I see you saying that. But in all seriousness, that's really, we're excited for that. And if you're, if you're little or if you're older and you just haven't taken the plunge, we want you to know that's, that's a great opportunity for you. I want to mention here, uh, you, if you come in person, of course, every week we have our, our notes and you can do the old-fashioned way and write them out. And I understand that's a great way to do that and hang on to it as we come in. And I appreciate the team that puts those together each week and their hands that get involved with that but we do have something we want to introduce to you as a tool and it's actually through our website through our our, our resource that we have and so putting it out here today and and really from this point on is an opportunity for you to grab the notes electronically and so all you have to do is actually point to that screen uh, with your device with your phone and you can pull those notes up and you can actually they're fill-in notes so electronically as we go through these things you can actually put in the if that's totally helpful for you like that's so great to have that and you saved it you can actually save the notes for for future it's a great little tool if you're kind of going oh well you know and then i'm going to also just check my instagram and facebook along the way during that there may be not so whatever you're most comfortable with doing but it is a great resource and you can obviously do that online as well you can even just click onto the website to do that or you can point this, your screen to the screen, uh, that, that works as well. So if you're online, thank you for joining us today. Uh, if, if you're in the room, you realize there is a few folks missing. We actually have several families that have been affected by just this recent surge of the Omicron. And so it, it's, it's affecting a lot of people and it's probably affecting you. you. You know people, or maybe you're back from like Josh is from what's going on. So it's, it's out there. We're, we're in an interesting time in, in our life and where we're at, but uh, just continue to pray for health and safety and just believing God as greater things and our hope, our hope is in him, right? And, but, we, but we've been in, if anything we can do at the beginning of 2022 of all time in life is to pray. And so we've been doing this prayer work series. In fact, last week we started the series and I put the question out, was, was prayer works? And I, I, I was tempted to put a question mark. Prayer works? Does, does prayer really work? And, and, I, and I, I just had people, I didn't even think of it until that moment. I said, well, how many believe or have experienced that prayer really does work? And the hands went up, right? And you, if you were in the room last week and maybe online, you had your hand up. And I was so couple of things. I was really encouraged by that. Then I was really kind of convicted by that. Like, where's my faith, you know? Because there's been challenges, right? We, we've gone through a lot, and maybe we've gone through a season where we're going, we keep praying, we keep praying, and nothing's really happening, and, and all that is happening in our life. And you probably know that's the, the truth, but you and I, and myself, if I took some reflection, I could look back and say, no, God, you really did answer prayer. You really did things in miraculous ways, or even over a course of time, how you healed people, how you touched lives, you restored marriage, and the list goes on of what God has, has really done. So I was really encouraged uh, by that. We, we, we made it. We, we're growing up in faith maturity, many of us going, no, prayer is not just some Amazon wish list that we have of what we want. Prayer really starts, as we started last week with it, that prayer really starts with listening to God. 
It, it just makes sense. The first thing we should do as we approach an almighty, all-perfect God who loves us and has ultimate goodness for our life, it'd be first to kind of going, oh God, I'm here. I'm going to listen. And I don't know if you had time to do that last week. I hope you did. We challenge each one here to find a, a meeting place and space to, to get alone and just spend time just listening to God. And so I encourage you, if you did, there's a, there was a meeting place exercise. There's some in the back. You can still grab one on the way out uh, to take time to do that. Now, here's the question is, it, whether you did it or not, but if you did, here's the question, what'd you hear? What, what, what was it that God was speaking to you? Now, for some, we, we actually did have a funeral here on Friday, and, and there was the, 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 it was a memorial, actually, and we remembered a wonderful man that has been a part of our church. And I bring that up as the fact that there, there's, there's people from that family, and Laura, the, the widow, I mean, she, she's in a place of grieving right now. And so when she's listening to the Lord, what the Lord, I know, is giving her is comfort, is giving her peace and rest. And I tell you, there's times in our life, and maybe you're going through it right now, where you are de dealing with a lot. And so what you really do need from the Lord is what the Lord's going to give you. Uh, he's going to give you that peace. He's going to give you that assurance. He's going to, and all those are wonderful, wonderful things. But I also know God didn't call me to be comfy. <laughs> God didn't call me to, to experience just this comfiness of life and everything and all the problems just are going to go away. You are smart enough and mature enough to know that doesn't take place. That there's times what the Lord is doing, he's challenging us to get out of our comfiness into a place of faith. We talk about where's your faith. We talk about we grow in our Christian faith. The, the commerce, the, the flow of, of God is through faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. That, the, the, the exchange is always faith. And so with faith comes stretching. It comes this challenge of what it is. And most likely what you're hearing from God at some point is a challenge to do something different. A challenge to get out of your comfort zone, out of your bubble. And as we hear that challenge and listen to that, I also know in the challenge that brings change is the change right here. That the change, what, what prayer, where prayer really works, is the work of prayer here in our hearts. And many times I've found where God's challenging me not only to go do something, get out of my comfort zone, many times the most biggest challenge I'm experiencing is a challenge of my heart, that my heart needs to change. There's something I need to bring into check of my own heart, which really leads to a, a place of listening and then I think the next step of prayer, honestly, is confession of confession. And I don't know about you, but that's uncomfortable to confess. And so uh, rather than you confessing here this morning, I I'm just going to actually go first. Can I do that today in confession? It was, it was just a couple weeks ago, you know, we had all that weather and, and difficulty traveling and, and my our young adult kids were up, our daughter was up from college, our son came up from the peninsula, and so we'd had a good family week after, after Christmas, and, and so with all that, the bad weather, we had really one vehicle that really could get in and out, and my wife was really the only one that needed to get to work, and so we, we'd get her to work, and I'd come back, and then one, one morning my kids are like, well, let's, let's go do something. I think we're going to try to return things, right, after Christmas. So we're, I'm backing out of the driveway. My son is sitting in the front seat. Uh, my daughter's in the back. And I'm, I'm back.
backing out and our, our, our driveway has a little bit of an angle and, and I knew my son's car was behind my wife's car but there was this angle that was going on right there that, and, I, and I, I just wasn't paying attention. I just wasn't, you know, I'm used to all these time of driving straight out of my driveway, and I, I did. I drove straight out of my driveway. Unfortunately, there's a curve of the cars where all of a sudden I'm hearing, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at my backup camera, if you got one of those. Sometimes those aren't great, by the way. They, they're to tr trust in. And, I, you know, I'm beep, 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 And I'm like, what's the beeping noise? And then crunch. And I'm like, oh, no. And my son's eyes got really big, you know. And so I, and like, they're all like, what do we do? I think we need to get out and look. And so I look and, and my taillight had crunched, well, took out his, his side mirror. And so I said, let's, let's, you know, push, let's push the car ahead. And, and what had happened was I, when I heard it, I just didn't have the reaction time. It was dumb of me not paying attention, but it was just enough. And the car slid a little bit because of the ice in the driveway that it, that it, we crunched it. So all that come together, I'm like, oh my gosh. And so we got the car away. We drove out heading down the road and I'm going, bud, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. And then both my kids are like, like this are like, oh, I, I'm trying to understand what's, what, what are you feeling? Like, we just feel relieved because it wasn't us. It wasn't the opposite. And I'm like, that's so true, isn't it? All the guys in this room, all the dads get that, right? We are like, yeah, our kids are like, it's better, or even your wife, it's better, it's better you, honey, than me. It happens. But they were very gracious about it. Of course, you know, getting the car fixed and all that took some time, my own car. But all that to say is very humbling, and I confess that to you, but I also want you to think about in, this, in the realm of prayer, is that many times we're barreling out, backing out on our lives. We're, we're barreling down and not paying attention and we're not taking care of the peripherals as much as a backup camera would have been helpful and it was helpful, not really because I was relying on something like that was not relying, I was not looking at my peripherals, I was not checking my blind spot. I wasn't looking and paying attention and when we don't pray, we don't pay attention to the peripheral. We ignore the blind spots that can be around us and we're just barreling through life and it can be very, very dangerous for us. And so I, I have this question uh, for you here is, is what, what has been a blind spot for you? What has been a blind spot for you? Your lack of awareness of prayer and listening to God and responding to him, what, what does that happen in your life? You know, some of the blind spots examples can be this. Maybe you've rushed, rushed to judgment and reacted to a friend and it's disrupted or maybe lost a friendship because of, of, of a blind spot. Maybe there was a foolish purchase you clicked on and oh, found out there's no free returns. There, there's an overlooked uh, proof in a project. You, you just didn't pay attention. You, you admit you're a little bit lazy and you just, you just wanted to get, on, get your work on and it cost the company a lot of money and it affected a lot of people. It maybe even affected your job. Maybe there's been a lack of filter of where you've brought frustration to your kids and it, in some ways it kind of made you feel, them feel a little bit unsafe to be around you. Maybe not just physically but emotionally and now they're walking on eggshells because of you. Maybe it's been an extra click on a website. It, you went down a road because maybe you're bored and you wanted to escape and it, it, led, it really left you feeling dirty and worthless and, and a, little, a lot of shame. Maybe it's this extra glance or extra flirt with somebody at work and it, it didn't turn into a physical affair where maybe some it has happened, but it was an emotional one. It, it led down a road it, that, that was, has been very, very dangerous for you that has left 
your marriage even in a devastating place. Can I warn you this morning, when we fail to check our peripheral, when we, when we live our life unchecked, it can be very, very dangerous for us. When we let go of our life uh, blind spots, this is what I felt, find that happens, is, is that we, we take, whatever it is, it takes us farther than we ever thought we would go. It leaves us there longer than we ever thought we'd be, and it costs us more than we ever, ever thought we ended up paying. Whatever it might be, you never thought it would lead to this. You never thought you would go down this road. And it's, it, there's a price that has been paid on a level you never thought you would have to experience. So today's truth is really a warning for us is this. Living life unchecked will catch up with you. Living life unchecked will catch up with you. And when it comes to prayer and where prayer works is prayer helps us keep our things in check, keep our life in check. But when we don't, we let up, guess what? There's going to be consequences when we go down the road of life. Now, if there's ever an example, and there's lots of examples in Scripture, but the one we're going to look at today, you're going, ah, oh, no, that's, that's the one. This is, this is an example. Uh, this, is a, this is a man in Scripture that, you know, we still to this day, which is kind of amazing, we still admire him. We still look up to him. And he, he was an amazing leader, a poet. Uh, he wrote a lot of the book of Psalms. And, you know, it's, it's David. David is, just, is, in fact, God admired him. God even said this. He goes, he, 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 in 1 Samuel, when he first called, he's a man after my own heart. <laughs> Can you imagine? Here's God saying this to this, this guy. And you're like, yeah, we admire him. And, you know, has this passion for the Lord. But, but really? I mean, it's kind of disturbing if you look at the life of David. David is a man after God's own heart. But he's an adulterer. He's a manipulator. He's a liar. And he is a murderer. Okay? Man after God's own heart. Really? I just don't quite see that. And yet, we still look at him that way. And, 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 and we, what we find is that David had that heart, but he had a flaw. He, he, there was, and, and this flaw is a symptom of a greater problem. I mean, the, the, the flaw we'll talk about here in a moment, but what, what happened was that led down this road, barreling out and back out in the driveway of his life, he left his life unchecked. He did not check the blind spots that are out there. And it led to a, a really tragic thing that happened and generations that affected his life. Now, I want to get to, actually, when we talk about prayer confession, we're going we're gonna to get to the confession. We're actually going to get to what David expresses wholeheartedly, where he blew it. But I want to give you the backstory. Many of it, it's familiar with you, but it's in 2 Samuel 11. And I want to catch this up for those who are in the context of the life of David. David, in, in, in many ways, you'd say he's made it. David, the, the slingshot little boy that took down Goliath, becomes the hero of the nation. He ends up, you know, on the run. I mean, you read through all of 1 Samuel and you find out, man, this guy is a, you know, poor David. I mean, he's just getting, you know, chased by, by King Saul the whole time. Finally, what, what is expressed is actually David ends up being crowned the king. He ends up really doing a great job as a king. He brings the nation, who is very divided, brings the nation of Israel together. He, he's very charitable even to enemies, and he, he builds alliances. He actually has restored this massive, massive kingdom. I mean, David is top dog. David is the best of the best. I mean, he's got the power, the wealth, the fame. He has it all. He has arrived. And that became his downfall. 
What happened? He let up. Second Samuel 11, verse 1, this is what it says. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole army, or Israelite army. They destroy the Ammonites and besiege Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. But David remained in Jerusalem. Small little detail, but it was a pivotal decision that led to a slippery slope that ended up being a place where he coasted because he gave up the fight. He let go. He didn't check the blind spots. He let go of the peripherals and just said, that's okay. And in that moment, David stopped in the fight of prayer. He stopped in the fight of pursuing. The man after God's own heart began to find other interests. I tell you, when we stop praying, we let our guard down. And David, this one fatal moment happened that was a slippery slope. This unchecked blind spot moment will be taint his very legacy. Verse 2 says, one evening David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. When the roof, on the, from the roof he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. Of course she was. Of course she was beautiful. And at that moment, David took a second stare and he didn't check his side mirrors and it led him down a path he had no idea he would go down. Nobody does. Verse three, it says that David sent someone to find out about her. This lustful thought actually turned to an actual decision. Man, he's just barreling down the driveway now. He's not paying attention to anything. The guy then, you know, the, the guy who asked to get the woman comes back to the face and say, well, isn't this Bathsheba, the, the daughter of Elam, the, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Listen, David's on a roll here. He, he, it, it, his passion is getting a best of him. He doesn't care. He doesn't care if someone's daughter. He doesn't care if someone's wife. Verse four, it says, then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. She had purified herself from, all, from her uncleansiness and then she went back home. And how many you know, no soap, no perfume can ever wash guilt, shame that's going on. And, 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 and listen, living on life unchecked, it will catch up with you because this one night stand will live, leave a rippling effect of generations to come. And a few short weeks, you can read into the story. What happens is, you know, he hears the words, three words that will stop any soon-to-be fathers in their tracks. I am pregnant. This guy who holds a super spiritual title, man after God's own heart. He comes, and what does he do? He comes in confession and, no, not, not, he covers up. He plots a cover-up. David has Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, pulled from the battle lines. And basically says to him, has this message to him, and says, listen, Uriah, you're doing such a great job. We're so proud of you. You deserve a weekend away with your wife. Get away. Here's, a, here's an Airbnb paid for you. Have a romantic weekend. Well, Uriah is so loyal to the king and everything, he actually doesn't go home, doesn't spend the time with his wife, and goes back on the battle lines. And David's like, that did not work. That did not work. And so I just need him to know he's his wife and this, this plot. That's your kid. It's your child. That didn't happen. And so 
the cover-up is more plotting, more scheming, and so you're just, it goes faster and faster. You're not, he's not paying attention to anything. The one that claims to love God and, and is passionate about the Lord, he ends up actually going to the general in the army and going, you know what? How about this instead? Well, let's go ahead and put the guy in the front lines. And so Uriah gets killed in the battle. Sets up basically his, his death, David does. You know, David, what does he do? It is he confessed. Nope. What happens is sin ups its ante. Sin left unchecked, it will lead to, and here we'll find, lead to eventual death. Well, David, David marries Bathsheba. How convenient that worked out for him. And after the time of mourning was over, David had her brought to his house. She became his wife and bore him a son. All's good, fresh start. It's all good. You ever have people say, it's all good. We're all fine. We're going to move on. Well, you can't move on from this one. No, nope. scripture says, by, but this thing David had done displeased the Lord. I tell you, left, life left unchecked. It's progressive. Sin progresses. The baby ends up becoming ill. The child actually dies. David is gripped of what really sin does. It's devastating. Now we look and think, how did he go wrong? I mean, what, what, there's many things he did wrong. But, you know, we, we look back and you're like, what was this? What did he leave unchecked? What was the blind spot? Someone would say, well, it's just lust. He's a guy. He, 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 he just went with his urges. He shouldn't have done that. He shouldn't have gone there. And that's true. That's really true. And you look at his life and what happened. Like, he didn't go to war. He, he stayed back. What happened? Well, maybe boredom came over him. He had arrived, and that's a dangerous place to be. I've arrived. I, I, now what do I do, do with my life? And, and in the boredom, what happened was this, the, the, the apathy actually led to compromise to his conviction. That's probably true. But I think deep down, what I would say even maybe is a, a source that, of the issue that is there. I tell you, it's, I think it's good old-fashioned pride. In fact, in your notes, you can fill this in, is pride prevents us from checking our heart. Pride just prevents us from checking our heart. Because what happens is David stayed behind. And, what, and from war, and in some ways what was going on is there was actually just a, there actually just was a, a sense of entitlement. You know, at, at some point, well, when, when kings go off to war, he's going, well, I'm not just any king. I'm really, I'm kind of the top king. You know, I'm actually, why do I need to risk my life? Why do I need to put my place in battle? He might even think, no, I need to protect myself so I protect, to protect the people. I, I have an opportunity. It's my turn to be comfortable and safe. And there's something, some point he says, like, I'm just going to coast a little bit. And that he failed to check his blind spot. He failed to live his life in accountability, which we'll talk about. Now, let me ask you, how's pride preventing you from checking your heart? How has pride prevented you? And you can look back like last, last week and going, whew. I kind of stepped, my, stepped into some stuff I shouldn't have done. And I, and I, caught, and I look back and I, I realize it. And what we find is when we, what we do is when, we're, when we, pride comes over us, we kind of feel like we own the road. We kind of find like we're, we're going down the road and we just set the coordinates and everything. We're, they, I think it's these people that drive Teslas, by the way. I think they just, they think they're the greatest people in the world, by the way. And some of you are like, I own a Tesla. Well, I want your car, okay? I love the Tesla, by the way, okay? If, um, if you're looking for a gift, it, it's, uh, it's great. But, you know, I have a friend who has a Tesla and I, I like him. He's a good guy, but uh, I, don't, I don't know if he deserves it. I don't think so, but... Um, <laughs> But when, you know, and I use that as an example, Teslas are known to be, auto, you know, autopilot and, and, you know, they're so comfortable. If you've ever been in one, like, 
I really could fall asleep at the wheel at this car. It's just too comfortable for me. And, and I find in our life, whether you, 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 know, you have cruise control or not, we can kind of cruise down the road of life and we can find ourselves not paying attention and we can fall asleep at the wheel spiritually. And that's why stopping and seeking God in prayer is so important. If we don't put our heart into check through prayer, we, we let go of our inhibitions and we ignore the warning signs. We, we ignore the beep, 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 you know? We, we miss the opportunity, you know? Danger Will Rogers. You know, some of you know that show, The Lost in Space. That, that moment, there's the, and we, there's the signals get dulled with the lack of prayer and it leads to entitlement. We'll, we'll say things like this. I deserve this. Look how much I've done. The rules can be bent a bit for me. And here's the classic line, people. I still hear this today. It's just a silly thing people say. Don't I deserve to be happy? If, you're, if you catch yourself saying that, I'm, I'm in there too. Like, oh, this is an opportunity. I, I deserve it. I, you know, and, and, and if, you know, hey, if, if it's indulging and in breaking your diet, that's one thing. But indulging in a life of sin is another, right? At some point, there's a place where we go down this road that can be very dangerous. And we just back up not paying attention. I tell you, when you think you're bulletproof, guess what? Living life unchecked will catch up to you. Listen, I, I've seen grown men cry in my office in a, in, a, in a moment where they're just weeping because of the, the damage that they've done and the, the mess up of their marriage and their family. I've seen couples weep over just terrible betrayal. I have looked through the plexiglass with someone on the other side where I'm picking up the phone and realizing that their, their choices of not putting life in check have led them to, I tell you what, it'll, 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 it'll take you down a road you never thought you'd go, and it'll keep you there is, 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 is more than you ever thought it would, and it'll cost you more than you ever, ever thought you would pay. How, the, the blind spots are there, the not checking the peripheral. So what do we do? Well, here's the, here's the tricky thing about blind spots is blind spots can not only be detected by yourself because it's called a blind spot and you don't see it all the time. You miss it. And that's why it's so important that we put other people around us in our community. Next week, we're gonna, I hope you're here next week and watching online because we're gonna talk about prayer is not a solo sport. Prayer is actually a communal thing. And it's so important that we know that because here, you can write this in. God has put people in our lives to whom we can be accountable to confront our pride. God will put people in our lives to whom we're accountable to confront our pride. You know, David had his mighty men. They were great. They were for him. They, they died for him. But they, those guys, they, they really weren't holding him accountable. At some point in his life, he had arrived and he got to a place that, that everybody was saying yes to him and not, nobody was coming along and saying no to him. And if they maybe they were saying no to him, they just weren't around in his life anymore. He had that, he had that much power. So here's a question. Well, who is in your life that, that's telling you no? Is it who's in your life that you have? It is a spouse, is it a coworker, is it a boss, is it is it a friend? Is it someone in a in a small group, accountable group saying, Hey, you, you, you sure you want to go down that road? There's a there, there's a check that's there. Who is that in your life? And who are you trusting to, to be speaking in your life? Well, what we read is God in his grace brings someone to David to David. The prophet Nathan, who comes with an intervention, probably risking his own life 
to do what he does. But God gives him a little clever way to do it. He comes before David and says, David, I got a, I got a, we got a situation and in, 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 it's happening. He says, there is a, there's, a, there's a rich cattle owner and he owns so much. And we found out that he stole, had stolen from a other poor farmer, one little baby lamb. He owns all this and he wants this one baby. And David, this is what the Bible says in verse 5 of 2 Samuel 12. It says, David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. And here comes the, one of the most famous lines in all of this. Nathan comes to him and says this, you are that man, king. And it's that moment Nathan reminds him of all the Lord has blessed him with and all that God's given him. And he's calling him out in his pride that was left unchecked. And what we find is this, this, we read through the rest of David's life, this dysfunction that happens, all the, the consequences that follow David because he left his life unchecked. The dysfunction, his, his daughter who is raped by her half-brother, a son who rebels, Absalom rebels against David to overtake his kingdom. Le- living life unchecked, it le- left led consequences for him. And I tell you, yes, there's consequences to our sin. Yes, there is devastating things that are irreparable. There's things that happen that cannot go back and be fixed again. And that's the cold reality of our life and the choices that we've made because we left our life unchecked. But that doesn't mean there's not hope for our future. That does not mean there's not an opportunity for God to not only bring forgiveness, not only bring a place of restoration in our life, but even greater than this is it can bring redemption to the lives around us for our future. So, so what do we do though? What do we do? Do we just live with the terrible consequences and, and just live with the shame and live with regret? Well, we know where that goes. It's a very dark road and people find themselves in. Some people just say, they just ignore it and they're in denial. Well, history will repeat itself. What do we do? We, yes, we learn from the past of our lessons, but we listen on and we go, where are those blind spots? See, here I want to challenge us with today is this, and we're going to get to David's confession. God calls us all to come clean and confess. God calls us all to do that. David finally did that. You know, we wonder, why do we admire him? This adulterer, liar, manipulator, murderer. Why, how can we say he's a man after God's own heart? It's kind of found in this, this moment with David. It says that David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. It's from this level of broken honesty and authenticity that David, out of this, they really believe, David writes this amazing psalm, Psalms 51. If you're looking for a a prayer of confession, if you're looking for even an outline, how to walk through a, a contrite, deliberate steps toward confession and really leading to repentance is this one. So I just want to leave some thoughts here that we can take with us and come in clean in a prayer of confession. First is this, when it comes to confession of prayer, 
And really where prayer really works is this, it's, it's owning it. It's to own it, to take responsibility for our sin. One of the things we taught our kids growing up is to own their, what they did wrong. And you, if you're a parent of a child or maybe grandkids now, or you have kids and you're working with them, it's teaching them to own what they did. You know, some, you know when the kids come along and, and something broke and they're like, who broke it? They go, it broke. It? It broke? Something caused it to break. And they're like, don't know. You know, there's something broken. Like someone needs to own it, right? Someone needs to confess. And then usually it's like this, you know, that's usually what happens along the way. And that blame game, that pointing fingers has always been a part of human history, right? When sin entered the world and they, um, Adam and Eve bit from the forbidden fruit, what did Eve do? Who, this, you know, he confronted Adam. Adam says, this woman you gave me, she did it. She made me. And what did Eve do? The devil, he, the, the, the serpent, he, he t- you know, tempted me, tricked me into doing it, right? We do this all the time. We have to own our sin. And I, and I want to be very sensitive to this. I know that many of us has gone through devastating things in our life. Some of you have grown up in some horrible circumstances, terrible, terrible circumstances that, you know, and I would never want to compare my life to yours. I'm like, oh my gosh, the fact that you love Jesus is amazing. And, 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 and yet I recognize people have been abused and been neglected. There's been so much pain and hurt. And so it might have been, yeah, we could blame something. Mom and dad and aunt and uncle and this person who hurt me, this coach and this ex-wife or ex-husband and all that. We can make the list. But at some point, you have to take responsibility. At some point, you're going, I own it. I own the decisions that I make today. And I have to own my sin and what I've done. And that's what David does. Right off the bat, he says this, Psalms 51.1, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only, I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Notice that David doesn't mention they or them or those people. I did this. Nobody else. Can I tell you folks, we just got to own it. Own it. There's, I know it's scary. It's, it takes courage, but we got to own our sin and confession. Another thing to do to this is to confess it then. To re, to re, to to receive cleansing from your sin. And this means this, don't, don't rationalize or minimize or excuse or put a spin on your sin at all. Just get real. Just get real with it. You know, David, David lived in denial for a while and it caused a lot of damage in his life. He played games for a while and it burned him and it hurt him and it, it devastated his generations. Man, if we could come short and if we could say, no, I, yeah, things have really gotten bad, but we know when they're going to get worse. I need to get serious about my sin and get desperate. Look at verse six. This is what he says. Cleanse me with a hisp and I'll be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Uh, hisp is a little herb. It's almost a little, you know, branches they use and they would dip the blood of an animal sacrifice and cleansing of sin in the Old Testament. It all foreshadows the, 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 the whole picture of Christ on the cross, uh, forgiving us of our sin through his shed blood. David goes on and says, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sin 
and blot out my iniquity. I love what David's expressing here is that he's, he's saying, let's cover it all, okay? Let's, let's make sure we cover it. Let's not miss any of my sin. Let's make sure that the, the blood that needs to be covered that, 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 that for my cleansing I need, I want to be totally, totally clean. Now, I, I love being clean, by the way. I don't know about you. There's just something, you remember the zest fully clean, and just, I, I, I always, sometimes I feel like the commercial, right, back in the day, especially when you go camping, right? I love camping. I love being outdoors, but, you know, you, 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 you don't take a shower for a few days. You're just rank, okay? I'm sorry. You know, the happy camper is the one going home, okay? I'm a happy camper when I return back and take that shower, and everybody else appreciates it as well. There's something about being clean physically. There's something about being clean that's freeing spiritually. That's the opportunity we have. Because it, what it does is not only the sense of feeling clean, but it moves to this greater purpose. See, lastly, know this. Ask for it. Ask for it. Request to be restored your life to be redeemed. Ask and request to be restored your life to be redeemed. David wanted a sense not only of, of being clean, but actually asking the Lord's presence to enter back in his life. Look at verse 10. Creating me a pure heart. Oh God, renew a, a steadfast spirit with me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. This prayer gladness and freedom that, that experience, it's, it's, it's so amazing. It's such an incredible thing that we can have, but yet what happens when we live in our sin, God just feels distance, doesn't he? When we, when we find ourselves living life unchecked and going down the road, we find ourselves going, I, I just don't feel God. I don't feel it. And, and when we're not, not aware, when we, when we don't pray, there's not this awareness, there's not this check, and we're just going, how come God just seems distant? How come the Bible, when I read it, seems boring? Why is, why is church not relevant to me any longer? Why is that? Is it possible because... There's something going on in your heart. There's something there that's causing. I, we talked about listening to the Lord last week. And if you're finding that the, the voice of God is kind of turned down, it's probably because of disobedience. The, the volume of God will turn down in our disobedience, but the volume of God will turn up in our, in our obedience and the opportunity to, to listen to God. And so if you're feeling distance, know this, he didn't go anywhere. He, he's been there the whole time, and it could feel like a million miles away, but it's really only a prayer away. The Bible says, draw near to him, and draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. And, and, and where we can begin to say, God, and I'm not just telling you the touchy feeling of God's presence, but I'm just saying, know that God is with you because it's through relationship with him. It's when we do this, what's beautiful is not only that there's a restoration that takes place, but what happens is God takes that restoration, not just for ourselves, but then he turns it around and he uses it in a redeeming way that's so powerful. Look at verse 13. David says, Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. Who you, uh, you who are God, my Savior, my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. What's so powerful is this, is that what God wants to do, what, what, you know, even what Joseph said, when the enemy meant for evil, God wants to make good. Your life and all the pain and the suffering that you've experienced because of your sin and others experienced sin, God wants to, and it's not saying there's not consequences with it, but he wants to bring restoration to our health, to spiritual health. He wants to bring us to a place of wholeness and healing so in order that we can help others. 
and find our story can be very, very redemptive. And that's what David's doing. He's saying, God, give me another shot at this. I will work for you. I will serve you. I will help others do that. And that's a good bargain with the Lord. And it's a, it's a promise that we have. That you're owning it, you're confessing it, and now, Lord, bring restoration. Use my life, Lord. I will be willing to admit my, my, my sin to others. I am willing to admit my faults and my struggles. I'm going to share my story, and I'm going to own it, and I'm going to say, this is what I've done, and I'm going to warn people also to make sure they check their side mirrors. Make sure they, 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 they watch their blind spots as well. So really, who needs to hear your story? this week. Who is it out there that says, says, listen, and you don't have to promote it on Facebook. Just get together with somebody. And when they speak, Sharon, he's like, I relate with you. Can I tell you what's going on in my life? David's a great model, but we have to put it into practice. It's all there for us. Scripture's laid out this beautiful, beautiful prayer of confession. What are we going to do with that? Uh, in our, on our website, we actually, for our prayer work series on under the the category grow, when you click on there, there's a, we call prayer practices. And one of the resources there we've listed is called the exam prayer. And uh, St. Loyola created this. And basically it's this kind of this thing where, again, you kind of create some space in place. Say, God, I'm here. Lord, where do I, where, God, examine my heart. Lord, show me where my sin is. Lord, if there, even David prayed another place. Lord, if there's any sin within me, show me, reveal my heart. And a way to do a, a spiritual practice with this, the action step encourages this, to write out your confession to God and then tear it up. Write it out. It, and, and so here's an example that I, that I want to give you. Lord, I confess my sin of jealousy. I've compared myself with other people's successes and not grateful for what you've done for me. Please cleanse me from my sin with bl the blood of Christ so I may be pure again in your eyes. I ask you to renew my heart. Give me a greater passion for you that I can share all that you've done so others might experience transformation like you've done for me. Thank you for a fresh start. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen you could write your own prayer this week. That wasn't that fancy. You could write that out. And then what you do, rip it up in a million pieces. Burn it. Don't burn your house down. Burn it. And then, and then it's it. And like, well, what, wait a second. That, that, that's it? Well, that's what God does when we go to him in confession of sin. I, I, I think David wrote this in Psalms. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, bounding in love. Far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from our sins. Meaning it's in the sea of forgetfulness, Bible says. It's gone. God's going, what sin are you talking about? When you bring it up to him, I don't know what you're talking about. How does God forget that? It's, he's sovereign. He does. He, he can do that. And you do that in our life. It's this clean start, a fresh approach. And, and I would encourage us as we go to prayer, I invite Chris to come as we, as we pray. But I want to encourage you with this. I just hit me this morning, just before service. I was talking to uh, Julie, who's in the back here, and we were talking about prayer confession. I don't think this is a one-time thing. You know that already. We collect garbage in our life. We, we click on things. We watch things like, oh, we, we, we get in negative conversations with people. We get down in the dumps. We begin to bring up our past and we begin to collect the garbage. I cleaned out my garage yesterday and, and it was so cleansing. It was so great. You know, Christmas lights got put away. We got everything put together and and, and I was like this, this feeling, I wonder if Lord, we need it. I know my garage will get dirty again because stuff piles up. What is it there in your heart? One of the way that way prayer works to help us pay attention is to continually coming to the Lord in some ways, a daily confession. Lord, here I am again. 
God, I, 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 I need you to cleanse me of my sin. I, I've collected some things. I'm, I'm developing a bad attitude. I'm, I'm looking at things I shouldn't have. I, I, I'm allowing that person to bring negativity to my life. I'm, you know, and just whatever it is, make a list, you know, maybe mentally or rip it up. Like I said, you could write it out. But doing this on a continual basis, Lord, I just want my heart to be clean, Lord. God, I just want to stay in that place because in that cleanness, in that place, Lord, I can hear, when I clear the clutter, Lord, I can hear you better. I can listen to you even more in a greater way to be in tune with you. And Lord, in that, in that work that you're doing, God, you're not only doing it in my life, but Lord, you're also doing it through the other people's lives, through my life, an opportunity to do that. Lord, may I never come to a place of arriving at any of this. Lord, I'm going to you, continually submitting myself to you. And Lord, I'm still gonna mess up. There's days I won't check my blind spots, but, but Lord, here I am today, this day. That you give me. Will you, will you pray with me? I want you to just picture this moment for you. I want you to picture in your own life and just the idea of just kind of going through your life and someone comes to you and says, you are that man, you are that woman. Those are very difficult confrontational moments. Maybe you've had that in your life. You've had intervention moments. I'm telling you, the Lord wants to do that with you right now. You are that man, you are that woman. But that voice is not the voice of condemnation that's to put you down. Condemnation is feeling bad and you can't do anything with it. Conviction is feeling bad of what you've done and able to give it to the Lord and ask him to cleanse you and forgive you. And then it's dealt with. The voice of God is conviction. The voice of the enemy is condemnation. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So if you're sitting here and you're, you're, you're looking back in the past and sin that you've already confessed to the Lord, he's forgiving you. He's going, I don't know what you're talking about. Ask the Lord to help you to let that go today. Yes, there's pain and there's consequences. I'm not, I don't want to excuse the, the, the scars and the difficulty and the, what's happened. But you're forgiven of that. Let that go in Jesus' name. But for you here, there's some fresh stuff that's lingering, it's hanging. And you have not checked your blind spots. You barreled out of your driveway of life. This is the moment. Jesus, I confess it to you. Lord, I love the, 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 the beautiful scripture that if we confess our sins, Lord, you are faithful and you are just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all righteousness. And so, Lord, we claim that this morning, that our forgiveness comes because of the cross. When David prayed that prayer of cleansing, Lord, with the hiss of blood, Lord, that's your blood ultimately for us our sin. Jesus, we receive that cleansing today. For some here that have not even turned their life over to you to be Lord and Savior, may that be what they need to do first, Lord. That, Lord, you don't just cleanse sin, you change our hearts, Lord. That's what you're about. And, Lord, we, will you do that in everyone's heart here today? And, Lord, may we take this moment today, even before we leave, before we back out of the driveway, and back into life today, Lord, that we would take this moment to reflect, to confess, 
to own what we own and, and give it on to you, Lord. And God, may we boldly pray that out of it, Lord, it would not just be our cleansing and our wholeness, but our story can speak to others this week that need the same, that need that freedom, Lord, that you can give us, give us through cleansing and forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, for that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.